0: My ears are open, open. and I better not go to sleep. sleep. I'll never be the same. same. In Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen. Father, thank you for this word that we have this morning. I pray that your spirit will guide us. Our hearts will be open. Our lives will change for the better as we listen, as we obey. And Father, as we are attentive to what you're trying to do in our lives. And as I submit myself to the Holy Spirit now, I thank you for the anointing of God that's already here to saturate our hearts and minds and speak to those who have ears to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. We're still in a series entitled Grown Ups. Everybody say, Grown Ups. And the main purpose of the series is to help each one of us see what areas of our lives that we can grow and mature in and then apply principles to make that happen so that we can obtain God's best for our lives. And this morning, I want to share with you on the topic, discerning the voice of God. Discerning the voice of God. And the goal of today's lesson is to show you how to position your heart to hear with the intentions of obeying what God says. I'm going to say that again. The goal of today's lesson is to show you how to posit posi- I can't say that. Position your heart to hear and with the intention of obeying the voice of God. And I want you to find two verses of scripture. Find John chapter 10 starting at verse 27. And then Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. I'll say those again. John chapter 10 verse 27 and Revelations chapter 3 verses 20. Now I'm going to warn you in advance that this morning's message is very, very practical. Because I find that sometimes messages can be so spiritual that when you walk out of the room, you have no practical things to do So that you can apply what you heard into your life. And so my goal is to make sure that you learn how to discern when God is speaking to you. Because that's how you're going to know what his will is for your life. Amen. And so before I jump into the meat of the lesson this morning. I want to first of all and here's point number one that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Is the first thing I want to do is clear the air and that's on this, on whether God still speaks today. Does God still speaks today? And who does God speak to when he talks? Well, go to John chapter 10, look in verse 27. John 10 verse 27. We know that God's word is never going to perish. Jesus said, my word He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. So God's word is still relevant today. And in John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my what class? My voice. And I know them and they follow me. Now, he said, my sheep know my voice. Well, if his sheep know his voice, that means he's talking. He goes on to say, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now, write down Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, and by the way, if you have any doubts about salvation and whether you can lose it, if somebody's strong enough to pluck you out of the hand of God, they must be God, and there's only one God. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus speaks then, he speaks now. And that's why it's so important or what's so important that he died for us because him dying for us not only allowed him to hear from God, but it allowed us to hear from God. And that's why he told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you have been endued on high by the Holy Spirit. Now, in Revelation, go to Revelations chapter 20. Revelations chapter 20. Does God still speak today? In verse 20 of chapter 3, it says Jesus is talking again. He says, Behold, I stand at the door, and the door represents our heart. He says, I stand at the door and do what, class? I knock, and if any man hear my voice, watch this, And open the door. Notice there's something that we have to do and I'll show you this on next week. You have to open the door when he knocks. And when you do, he says, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Now, I'll never forget my first recollection of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It it happened to me in 1985 after I first got saved. So you don't have to be saved a long time before the Holy Spirit talks to you. All you have to do is have an open heart. And I'll never forget, I had just gotten saved, literally just gotten saved. And uh, I was was on my way to a Frankie Beverly and Mays concert. (laughs) Stay in the spirit, okay? And so, this was on campus at Prairie View A&M University. And so, uh, I'll never forget, uh, we had bought some, some, uh, you know, drinks. <laughs> and uh, I had bought some Old English, come on, help me with it, 800. I'm not sure why it wasn't 600, but it was Old English 800. Do they still make that? Huh? Y'all scared to say it, huh? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. All right, here we go. So I was drinking, you know, and I pour, I'll never forget, I'm in my dorm room and, and I'm walking out of the dorm and I had a cold old English 800. It was dripping with water. It was cold. And right before I hit the door, this voice says, what is that in your hand? And it was so loud to me, I turned around and looked in because I thought it was one of my boys because they, you know, made, they made a warning one. And I looked around and I didn't see nobody. And I thought I was going crazy, but I wasn't going to drop that beer though. So I kept walking. This time, by this time, I'm outside. And this voice says, what is that in your hand?" And so, you know, since I really wasn't familiar with who was asking me that, I started, I just decided to answer myself. I said, it's a beer. Y'all laughing, I am telling you the truth. I said, it's a beer. And by then, I done figured out this is the Lord talking to me. He said, well, what you going to do with that beer? I said, I'm going to drink it. I mean, come on. It is socially unacceptable to go to a concert without a buzz. Come on now. This was in 1985, okay? So the Lord said, you don't need that. He said, put that down. And I'll never forget, we had light posts coming out of the ground, They, they, they about this high, round cylinders, and they lit up the, the, the sidewalk. And so I just sat there. I didn't want to pull it out. I did not want to pull it out. So I, you know, I thought maybe I'd come back for it later or something. Else. I just sat it down on that thing, and I kept going. And from that point on, I'm not a drinker. But I had to hear the voice of God, and I'm going to just run through these real fast. I want you to get the CD today, Uh, but these are six primary ways the Lord can speak to you. First of all, the Lord's going to speak to you through the preached word. That's why it's so important to come to church because God's going to speak to you. And this is where he uses the Holy Spirit to, min- to minister to you through the preached word. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how, they, how can they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? So you need a preacher in your life so that they can teach you God's word so you can hear God speak to you. Number two is God will speak to you through waiting in prayer. This is where you are in a quiet place before God and the Holy Spirit speaks to you about things that you may need to do for your everyday life and for your future. Right now, Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, it says, and, uh, because when you read Luke chapter 6, verse Uh, chapter 6 verse 12 it goes and shows you that right after spending time with God Jesus chose his 12 disciples so before you make major decisions in your life make sure you make them with some prayer and direction for your life I hear people all the time they'll come to me about something major and I'll say well did you pray about it and they'll say yeah see I know better now I'll say what did God say to you then and most of them say well I, I ain't heard nothing yet then why are you moving then? Here's number three, through worship experiences. This is where you position yourself to hear the Holy Spirit through the act of worshiping and praise. And I'll never forget this years ago, uh, because when I get ready, I had a certain routine that I do. And I say, well, I hate wasting time. So I'm not just going to be getting dressed, getting dressed. I'm going to be praying and I'm going to be, I'm going to do something that's spiritual. And so I was worshiping and praying. And the Lord says to me, you're going to speak at Deion Bi- Sanders Bible study. Well, I knew Dion, but I didn't know him enough to speak at his Bible study. This is when he first got saved and he had primetime Bible study. And I, I, I was kind of like, whoa, that's weird. And I just was like, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, then that's fine. I didn't even give it no second thought. Well, two days later, my pastor comes to me because Dion had invited him to preach at the Bible study and he couldn't make it. So he come to me and said, hey, Dion said, will you take my place and go teach at the Bible study? How many know I heard from God on that day? Amen. Amen. But it was because I was spending some time worshiping. Here's another one. Through the written word. And to me, this is one of the main ones. And this is where God will use the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's word, which will help you see things you've never seen before while you're studying. God's word, to me, should be the main way that God corrects us, encourages us, and helps us with our daily walk with him. And then here's the last one, through walking in the Spirit. And this is where you wake up every day with a purpose that you're going to obey God. Amen. Amen. This is when you wake up and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to die to my flesh today, and I'm going to obey the Spirit that's on the inside. Now, you may want uh, to, here, here's my opinion now. This is where opinion comes in, but it's not an opinion based on Scripture. This is just an opinion. I believe the average believer never hears the voice of God consistently in their lives because they have too many other voices going on in their life. You know, this past week, Heaven's playing volleyball, and we were all at a volleyball game. Landon was with us, and uh, Landon uh, was playing on my wife's cell phone a game. And the noise in the gym was so loud he couldn't hear the song or the sound of the video game that he was playing on the phone. And he kept saying, it's too loud in here. They're too loud in here. And so I had to take him out of the gym and go outside of the gym so he could hear the phone while it played the game. And that's how many of us are. We have too many voices going on in our life that we can't hear the voice. And if most of us are honest, most of us really don't want to hear from the Lord anyway. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Uh, I have a picture that I'm getting ready to throw up. So y'all just prepare the picture real quick. Uh, uh, Go to John. Go to John chapter 2. Go to John chapter 2. You know what? I want to skip John 2 because I'm running out of time. Uh, But... Let me describe something to you. Go ahead and throw my picture up there if you would. I want to show you as much as I can. The best way I think to describe uh, what hinders most people from hearing the voice of God is giving you an illustration of a golf course and compare it to a uh, radio frequency. Now, how many golfers do we have in the room? How many golfers? Anybody? All right. Now, I play golf in my lifetime and this is considered, see the, see the green in the middle? Okay, that's considered, the light green is considered the fairway. Now, the fairway, and and I want you, if you're taking notes, I want you to just draw two lines down the middle of your page. The fairway is the middle. And the fairway is where you want to keep the ball. And if you keep the ball pretty much in the fairway, then you'll have a decent shot on a consistent basis. Even if you don't swing properly, at least you have a good spot where the ball's laying now, the problem with most people, see, the, the fairway represents God's perfect will for your life. That's what the fairway represents. So I want you to write that la- those two lines and I want you to put in the t- up at the top God's will. That's the fairway. And when you are in the middle of God's will, you will hear God's voice. And when you hear God's voice, watch this, God's will for your personal life will be revealed. Now, here's the problem. Most people... Don't stay in the fairway. Most Christians don't stay in the will of God right there. They don't stay there. You know what? A golf course has what they call the rough. The rough are the outsides of the main fairway. And when you get outside of the fairway, the grass gets higher. In fact, sometimes if you hit the ball wrong, you will not only get outside the rough, you'll go into the trees. And how many have played golf and have lost some balls? Let me see here. Uh huh. And see, those are people who've never even received Jesus Christ as their personal savior. They are lost. And they don't even know it. They don't know it. And see, you don't know this either, but there are some believers that are lost too. Because if you do not stay in the fairway for your life, then you will lose contact with the person who's designed the course of your life. Amen. And then, so, no, so on the right side of the rough, you have, because see there are three wheels always inactive. In, in, in you got God's wheel that's always active. Then you have the enemy's wheel. Do you know the devil has a wheel for your life? John 10 describes it. He says, the, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. So the enemy's will is to make sure we live in sin and remain lost. So that's on the right side. But then you have the left side, which is what I call our personal wills. So you got God's will in the middle, then you have the right rough, that's the enemy's will, that's where he wants us to walk and stay lost, and then you have the right side which is our personal will, and this is where carnal thinking drives us. And see, carnal thinking is just thinking in a way that God don't want you to think. It's just like thinking before you got saved, it's thinking the same way. And when you think like that, what ends up happening is you walk according to the flesh. Now, I like this. Uh, You can just write down... 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. I'm going to read it. This is just to clarify you that God has a will. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That means God has a will. And when we pray according to his will, he hears us. And that's why many people never reach God's ear because they're praying for stuff he don't want for them. I had a single person that called me this week and, and you know, uh, we just got into being single and that kind of thing. And I said to them, I said, when you are fully committed to God, what you want God to do loses second place. In other words, I don't, I, it ain't even about whether I want to be married. What it's about is I want to make sure I'm pleasing God all my life. Now, he knows I want to be married, but you know what? Sometimes you have to die to what you want. He said, what do you mean by that? When, I'll never forget when we first got, my wife and I first got married and we, we went to a church and the Lord told us to plant ourselves in that church. And he told us to die to what we want. We knew we were supposed to pass so back in 1990 or whatever, two or whatever it was. We knew we were supposed to do that. But he said, go to that pastor and tell him, look, we're going to let what God called us to do die. Because Jesus said, unless a seed go into the ground and die, it abides alone. But after it dies into the ground, the scripture says it produces much fruit. So sometimes you have to let go of what's most important to you so that you can do what's most important to him. The word will means desire, pleasure, what, what one wishes and has determined what should be done. That's what the word will means. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. The word pleasure is will. So God's will is to make sure we bring him pleasure. When we have, when we stay on the right side or when we stay on the left side, we position ourselves to not hear from God. And you know, people wonder why Christians... uh, start feeling depressed and down and feel like they want to commit suicide let me t- can i tell you this suicide ain't new it ain't new no no all you got to do is go read uh, mark chapter four and matthew chapter four or uh, matthew chapter four when the devil came to jesus and tempted him he says jesus throw yourself down off this mountain Ooh, good, how many know that's suicide so so when you start hearing thoughts of killing yourself, that ain't God and that ain't you. That's the devil. So don't sit up there and entertain it. Well, I wonder how can I do that? Maybe I can jump off a bridge. Maybe I can throw my car. I don't know. No, no, no. You are under spiritual attack and the enemy's job is to try to kill you. And sometimes he wants help, so he wants us to do it ourselves. The devil is a lie. Suicide's not new. And then on the right side or the left side where our personal wills are concerned, here's the thing. Our wills are always driven by three things. Write this down. Comfort, convenience, and pleasure. When you're operating under your will, your will is always driven by three things. Comfort, convenience, and pleasure. And guess what? Obedience to our will, when it's under that way, comes from the presence of carnal thinking. See, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed or changed by renewing your mind. And when you do that, you'll be able to prove what is good and what is acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. So when you start thinking Spiritual or thinking, biblical, what will happen is your mind will help you stay in the fairway. So how do you know if you're living outside of the fairway and you're living in the rough? How do you know that? Well, here's two questions I want you to ask yourself. Here's the first one. What am I doing that I should not be doing? You say, well, pastor, what does this have to do with hearing the voice of God? Here's the problem. If you're doing stuff you know you're not supposed to be doing, you're in the rough. And if you're in the rough, you can't expect to really hear God's voice clearly because here's how it works. When you are unsaved, you are on AM. How many know the reception on AM ain't good that much? It's not really that good. Okay. It's not really that good. It's getting better, but it's not there yet. So compare AM as if you're not saved. When you get saved, God takes you out of darkness, puts you in the light. He takes you out of a.m. and he puts you in FM. But see, most people are happy with being on FM. But FM is not the goal. That's the destination. The goal now is for me to live a fulfilled life by obeying God and what his will is for me. So listen, if God is on 90.9 and you're way down there on 104.5, you're not going to hear God. Oh, you're going to hear some static and some crazy hip-hop stuff. I mean, mean, have you ever been on a station and you hear two stations at one time? It's only because your tuner is not completely in the fairway. How, what are you doing that you should not be doing? And I'm going to quote to you. You don't have to turn there. In fact, go to Hebrews chapter 12 very quickly. Hebrews 12. I'm going to read verse 1. See, sometimes our spiritual life is cluttered. And a lot of you don't even know you're in the rough today. You don't know you're in the rough. I'm going to show you that you're in the rough and how to get out. Because once you get out of the rough, then you can hear what God wants you to do. Hebrews chapter 12, look in verse 1. It says, Wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us, it didn't say let God, let us lay aside how many weights? Every weight, watch this, and the sin which so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking to who? Look, that's why so many Christians get sidelined by all this junk they see on TV and all these crazy preachers and all that kind of stuff. They get sidelined because they're not looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, does that mean a person shouldn't be an example? No, but I tell you what, they're going to stand before God one day. Amen. It says, wherefore, seeing we are compassed by what so great a God, let us lay aside every way. So guess what? That's something that we have to do. Now, here's question number two. What am I not doing that I should be doing? Now, if you notice, both of these questions relate to how I started the series. Remember, I started the series by saying there are certain things when you grow, you got to start doing. And there are certain things you got to stop doing. Well, here's the question again. What am I not doing that I should be doing? See, old school used to say the sin of omission and the sin of, come on, y'all help me, you Baptists and church and God and Christ people. The sin of omission means I omitted something and then the sin of commission, meaning it's something that I did. And so you have to ask yourself, here I'm closing right here, because how you stay in the fairway is going to determine how well you hear the voice of God. So how do you stay in the fairway? Here's number one, you must give your life to God if you are an unbeliever. See, you'll never hear from the God that created you if you never submit your life to him. And then for every believer, you must become fully committed to the Lord as a believer. Because I know some believers who have let Jesus in their house, but he's only in the kitchen. Have you ever been over somebody's house and uh, the front looked good, but you can tell that back is jacked up? And see, when people come to my office, there are four, there's there something that I do before I talk to them about their problem. I'm not closing, so don't worry about it. I'm closing. See, there are four levels of commitment as a believer. Number one, you have level four, which is you're not even committed at all. You say, well, what does that mean? This is where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and that's it. Basically, you have fire insurance. You get that? Fire insurance. You have fire insurance. And, and there are Christians who that's it. You can't even tell Harley that they're saved. You wouldn't know unless you talk, talk to them and maybe have a deep conversation with So that's level four. Then level three is you're somewhat committed. And this is where 50% of your life is committed to the Lord. And then there's this other 50% that's not. Basically, you live a double life. People really you know, you know, some of your friends know you say, but then your coworkers have no clue. Touch your neighbor and say, He ain't talking to me. But he might be talking to you though. Here's level two, here's level two. Level two is committed. And that's where most Christians stop right there because they figure, well, and here's the description of committed. This is where 75% of your life is committed to the Lord, but then you got this 25% over here that is messed up and it's not. These are issues and problems and and struggles that you're going through, but they're not submitted to the Lord. So you're comfortable with 25% being in your life the rest of your life. I'm fine with that because 75% of my life is committed to the Lord. So, hey, that 25% don't matter. Well, I beg to differ because there's another level and the next level, which is level one, is fully committed. Now see, fully committed, watch this now, don't get, this, don't get messed up. This, the, the numbers are the same. 75% of your life is committed to the Lord. But then there's this 25% of struggle where you're saying, Lord, it's a submitted struggle. Lord, I don't want to continue to go down this road. Lord, I don't want to continue to cuss. Lord, I don't want to continue to fight. Lord, I don't want to continue to cheat. Lord, and see, you're, you're trying to get from 25 down to 24, down to 23, down to 10, down to 5, down to 1. And next thing you know, you just mess up every now and then. And I always ask people, "Why are you not at? What's keeping you back from being at the fully committed level?" And most people say the same thing. They go and they talk about what their struggle is. I said, "That's not why you're at the fully committed level. The reason why you're not at the fully committed level is because you haven't made a decision to be at the fully committed level. See, you can't be fully committed and then try to make the decision. You make the decision, and it it gets you fully committed." See, what most people try to do, they try to work at having a fully committed life, but they haven't made the decision to be there yet. So watch this. The strength that they need through Christ to do all things is not there because they're not fully committed to him. In other words, the power that you need to be fully committed and to have the strength to do all things through Christ that strengthens you only comes when you are fully committed to him. And it doesn't mean it's a perfect life, but what it is, it's a submitted life. And when you're in that submitted life, you'll hear God like you've never heard him before. So I'm going to end right here and say it like this. Because see, there are some people in here. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knock. And if you hear his voice, open it up. And there are some people that Jesus is on the outside of the door. And see, you think you know Jesus because you got the door open and you call him, "Hey Jesus, I need you," And He come through for you, but you close the door. Then you have some people, these are Christians, that they don't ask Jesus to come into their life. So they let him in his, their house, but he's not Lord, He's just saved them, So they just let him stay in the kitchen. He ain't in the bedroom, he's not in the bathroom, he's not in the dining room. He's not fully engulfed in your life because you have to let him do that and there are some of you he used to be in every room but some reason you've evicted him in some of them then you have some people who are saying lord whatever you want me to do i'll do whatever you want me to say i'll say and you may be here today Said, say, Pastor, what does this have to do with hearing the voice of God? I'm saying to you, when you're close to a person, you will hear them like you've never heard them before. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, and you're on the outside,